Welcome to the War in Ukraine Update from Kyiv podcast. I'm Jessica Ganawa, a lecturer in international relations at Flinders University in Australia. In this podcast, I talk to experts and observers on the ground in Kyiv about events in Ukraine as they unfold. And I'm talking today with Maxim Yali, a professor of international relations at the National Aviation University in Kyiv, Ukraine. Hi, Maxime. We're recording this episode on Tuesday, 12 April. Maxime, can you start by commenting on reports that chemical weapons were used today in Mariupol? What do we know about this so far and what are the implications? Well, of course, uh, besides it's my native city, Mariupol, that's why, of course, I'm following all the news. So as far as for information known uh, for today that uh, it was used in a big uh, steel plant, Azovstal, where our um, just soldiers already concentrated, I would say. Uh, and um, Russians knew that it would be very difficult uh, to occupy uh, this uh, territory because uh, this plant was built uh, uh, last century before Second World War. So there are a lot of uh, special buildings, uh, underground, etc. So uh, before it was launched, I mean, chemical attack, uh, uh, Russian, uh, Russians, uh, so-called uh, Republic DNR asked Russian, Russian uh, uh, generals to use chemical weapons. And just a few hours later, they did it. So, uh, so far, about three people suffered. One old lady suffered uh, the most. Uh, as uh, information known. So they used it uh, not in that scale, very big scale. And from my point of view, they just uh, tried in a small proportion uh, to check up the reaction of the West, because as you know, President Biden uh, mentioned that if Russia uses chemical weapons, uh, the reaction would be serious. So they want, first of all, to check up uh, the reaction of the West. And uh, if it is slow, if they uh, don't uh, impose serious sanctions after it, uh, uh, try to check up the situation, uh, they will use it in a much bigger scale. From I'm sure, I'm definitely sure. Because, as you know, it's impossible for journalists, uh, for any specialists to get into Mariupol. It's totally blocked, encircled uh, for more than 40 days already. And, uh, of course, uh, there is no information. Of course, they will not let anybody to get there. So uh, the second goal was also political, I would say, because they are trying to destabilize to destabilize uh, the situation inside Ukraine because uh, hundreds of thousands of people who have still relatives in Mariupol, of course, are worried about that and uh, they do special informational operations. Just the goal is like to say, President uh, Zelensky gave up Mariupol and uh, Ukrainian armed forces and they did it in spite, etc., etc. So to undermine the belief 
of Ukrainian people, not only to Zelensky, but also to Ukrainian armed forces, and uh, to shake uh, the situation. So these are two key goals, I would say. And of course, um, I'm sure this is not uh, the last uh, chemical attack, because as you know, the commander-in-chief of uh, so-called special operation, as they call it in Russia, uh, General Dvornikov uh, used uh, uh, to be the commander-in-chief of the operation of Russian troops in Syria, and they used their chemical weapons for many times. Yeah, and can you comment on whether you assess that this specific incident will be some kind of turning point in terms of the response from NATO and from the US? Well, you know, uh, I can't be sure because we hoped that uh, the turning point would be when they occupied uh, the biggest atomic station uh, in uh, near Zaporizhia, uh, biggest uh, atomic station, nuclear station, um, nuclear energy, I mean, uh, station in Europe, and they shelled it even. It was not a turning point. Then we hoped that uh, a turning point would be after uh, international community politicians uh, would see uh, the massacre they made in Bucha and suburbs of Kiev. Unfortunately, no. So I guess uh, we, we also keep uh, hoping for the strict reaction of the West that they would impose more serious sanctions, most important in energy sector after it. But, well, we'll see. Uh, you know, there are so many uh, victims already. There are so many destructions. But uh, unfortunately, the West, uh, most of all, first of all, uh, the United States still hesitate with strict reaction. And of course, uh, the United States and uh, European Union, because uh, they are the biggest importers of uh, Russian oil and gas, and uh, this is uh, the biggest, uh, so, so they are the sponsors of this war. I mean, they keep paying a billion of euros uh, to Russia. So, and of course, and for example, as the head of uh, um, Foreign, uh, foreign policy of uh, European Union, Mr. Borrell mentioned, we paid uh, to Russia 35 billion euros. It was a week ago. And only gave 1 billion euros for support with weapons to Ukraine. So you can, you can understand the difference. That's why uh, Russians keep doing what they are doing and vice versa not being able uh, to occupy the whole territory, to conquer our army. They uh, keep doing terrorist attacks on civilians, on civilian infrastructure and killing more and more people, thousands of them. Actually, in Mariupol, officially already, they mentioned that more than 10,000 people were killed. President Zelensky mentioned it uh, just yesterday. Yeah. And on a more personal note, I know that you've been involved with evacuating your mother and your sister from Mariupol. 
We've all seen how dire the situation is in that city right now. Can you talk a little bit more about how your mother and your sister succeeded in leaving the city? Yes, I can. It was a very difficult uh, task uh, because, uh, as I mentioned, um, Russian occupiers blocked the city and they didn't let civilians uh, to flee. Uh, they block humanitarian corridors. They don't let uh, Ukrainian authorities to evacuate civilians. At least there were at least seven tries and uh, Russians agreed, but then when these uh, buses and humanitarian aid, first of all, was uh, uh, approaching to Mariupol, they started shelling. And uh, this was the problem because also there was an order to Russian soldiers to kill civilians who are trying to flee by their own cars. And there are many cases when civilians were killed. Even after that so-called uh, green corridors were opened uh, for evacuation by cars. So uh, the most difficult was uh, to find a person in uh, nearby villages because there is no connection with Mariupol. All the time since the 2nd of March, it was the last time when I man managed uh, to reach my mother. And sister, they uh, denied uh, to leave. I was begging them many times, but unfortunately they denied. And that time the situation was not so crucial and uh, the district where they lived uh, was more or less safe, I would say. Uh, but uh, then I lost the connection and I didn't have any connection for three weeks. So uh, uh, I had also niece, my sister's uh, daughter there, with uh, two ch small children. She managed to flee uh, just, I guess, in the, um, well, in the middle of March. So she was in Berdyansk. It's also like uh, a town uh, 85 kilometers away from uh, Mariupol, and it's like a hub for those who flee for civilians uh, from Mariupol. Mm -hmm. And we were looking uh, for the person uh, by who has a car and who evacuates people, who help to evacuate people. There are some volunteers. So we managed uh, to find such a person. I managed uh, uh, to have a deal with him because you need money. It's also important. And the problem is that uh, you can't just uh, sent him via internet uh, some money. You need cash. That's the problem because Russians block everything there. You can't just cash the money uh, from any bank accounts, etc., etc. So I needed to find some person who could uh, give him this money for petrol. And of course, uh, he's risking his life. It's also you should take into account. So I found him and. Uh, uh, gave him addresses. Uh, first uh, try failed because he found my mother. She wasn't already in her uh, flat because everything was ruined. Uh, when I saw that uh, pictures of uh, houses nearby, 
it was a complete disaster just everything is ruined burnt out etc uh, etc et but luckily uh, she was alive and um, he managed to find uh, her neighbors who, who told him where she was but the problem is that um, on the first day he didn't find uh, my sister in the basement and uh, uh, my mother rejected uh, to go without you. So there was a second try. Next day, just uh, it was her birthday. Like it's coincided. She was, she became 78 uh, years old. And uh, from second try, he managed uh, to get them out uh, to the nearby villages. Then with uh, some volunteers, uh, with person uh, who were together with them they managed to get to Berdyansk and still it was a big problem even though the situation was much better there uh, no shelling this uh, town is occupied by Russians so there is electricity connection but still they were blocking connection and uh, I couldn't reach them for five days and uh, moreover Russians block these green corridors from Berdyansk because most of people evacuate just from Berdyansk. So, and luckily, just last week, they managed to leave uh, to Zaporizhia. It's a big city uh, next to Berdyansk, uh, the closest uh, city controlled by Ukrainian army, uh, where just uh, most of people from Mariupol, it's like the first step uh, the, uh, the nearest point on uh, controlled by Ukraine territories. And now, uh, fortunately, they are safe already. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That is quite a story. And I'm glad that they're safe at the moment. As for you, I know that you're located in Kyiv. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the situation and the atmosphere is like in Kyiv at the moment? Well, at the moment, uh, it's much uh, the situation is much better than it used to be a few weeks ago be before uh, russian armed forces uh, left uh, the region they were just next to kiev a few kilometers and i am where i live uh, the situation was pretty crucial there were also just uh, attacks uh, constant uh, uh, air raid sirens and also explosions. Uh, there were a few shells uh, next to me, next to my place. Uh, now, of course, it's better because there are no Russians outside. Kiev is coming back uh, step by step to normal life. So, well, I don't know. You know, I, I was always uh, having my mother and sister in that hell knowing that there is no food there is no water there is no electricity constant shelling and bombarding the most important and tragical the the, the most difficult is bombarding i listened already to the stories from my sister how she escaped uh, the death just one second after she managed to get into inside uh, the shell dropped uh, at her, just at her place. After all that stories, I was feeling, you know, more or less fine uh, realizing the difference. 
even though they were attacks, even they were uh, rocket uh, strikes, uh, anyway, just, to, you know, it's uncomparable with that hell which is going on in Mariupol. So I didn't pay actually much, much attention to that. I even didn't go to the shelter, never just, I was staying at home. And of course now it's, it's like uh, more or less, uh, okay, of course, uh, Kiev is still, uh, you can't compare how it looked like uh, uh, before the 24th of uh, February, because there are a lot of uh, militaries, checking points, uh, well, uh, etc. You can't uh, go outside after 9 p.m., etc. But anyway, uh, in, compar in comparison with the, what is going on in Donbass, uh, it's a paradise, I would say. Yeah. For me, at least. For me, at least, of course, people are still in shock, but uh, they never saw it. Uh, women, children, of course, it's stressful situation. But anyway, it's much better than it used to be. Understood. Yeah. And finally, could you tell us what is the best way for those outside Ukraine to support at the moment? Well, I would say, and what I'm trying to do myself, uh, given interviews uh, to international media, you know, because uh, I differentiate people and politicians. So most of people all around the world support in Ukraine, watching that uh, awful videos, uh, reading about that uh, crimes uh, against humanity, about rape, uh, not only women but even children you know there are a lot of cases that uh, of rapes uh, women uh, school girls and even uh, uh, part of, well just a two year old uh, boy was raped uh, late information and he was captured already in uh, Russia by Russians so a lot of such cases I'm not talking about what they left how many people they killed, uh, of course, uh, most of the people all around the world support us. But politicians, unfortunately, hesitate with the reaction, and uh, they didn't expect that uh, Ukrainian people would uh, fight. They didn't expect that President Zelensky would stay. They proposed him to leave, as you know, President Biden proposed, and many politicians, and they would be um, in much better position, I would say they uh, would uh, prefer him to flee and uh, for us to give up, just to uh, get back to business as usual. I mean, European politicians, etc., etc. But uh, uh, they have to react. Uh, they understand and they see the reaction of their people. They want to be re-elected. And of course, what we need and what I ask and what President Zelensky and everybody who realized the situation, what we need from uh, West, from the West uh, governments, uh, two points, two key points. First of all, to impose sanctions on energy sector, as I mentioned before, because uh, most of, first of all, European Union keep buying oil and gas. 
and these are two main sources uh, to finance this war for Russia. And second, what uh, we need and also ask also Australian government to supply us necessary weapons. Okay, you can you cannot. Uh, I mean, NATO, for example, you cannot and you don't want. You are afraid of to close the sky on Ukraine. Okay, but give us air defense systems because uh, this is the biggest problem. Because uh, uh, Russians, uh, well, they have aircrafts and they are bombarding civilians. Like uh, you saw that pictures, awful pictures of Mariupol, it was mostly destroyed by bombardments and uh, also anti-rocket systems because they uh, destroy not only military but civilian infrastructure and also kill civilians with rockets. That's what we need because uh, we are lack of it. That's that's what that's uh, the two main things we need uh, from uh, international community to impose sanctions and uh, to give us necessary uh, weapons for us to close the sky. Yeah, thanks, Maxime. Stay safe and I really appreciate the update. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Mr. Smith for our theme music. We look forward to joining you again next episode. <laughs>